In John's Gospel, the eighth chapter, beginning in the first verse, it says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple. All the people came to him. He sat down and taught them, and then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him. They might have something of which to accuse him. Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up, said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We have been studying the Ark of the Covenant in this house. The Lord began to reveal and show that the Ark of the Covenant was not just a representation of the presence of God, but the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament was a symbol of Jesus himself. What's amazing about it, as we saw in Joshua 3, how that the Lord told them to carry the ark into the place of promise. And when the priest carrying the ark stepped into the Jordan, the Jordan would open up and they could pass through. And that would be a sign for Israel that the Lord was going ahead of them to fight the battle, to destroy the enemy. And what we see in the Synoptic Gospels, how that Matthew, Mark, and Luke each recorded that when Jesus was baptized by John in the very Jordan River that Israel had crossed through so many years ago, that the physical Jordan didn't open, but the heavens opened. Joshua in the Old Testament He was a representation of the true Joshua of the New Testament, Jesus. 
the ark that touched the water, that caused the water to push back in the physical was a declaration to all humanity that when Jesus, our priest, our ark, steps into that place of promise, we see that the heavens opened and the Father declared, this is my son in who I am well pleased, saying to you and I that God has gone ahead of us to defeat the enemy. Why do I bring up the ark and how does it connect to this story? that I just read to you. It's a, it's a good question you ask. But what we see is the Ark of the Covenant. It was a golden chest made out of acacia wood, overlaid with gold inside and out. It had four rings on the corner of it where poles were driven, were, were laid through that would never be removed because the priests would be commanded to carry that Ark. But what we find out is that there was a lid set upon that chest. And that lid was made of solid gold and had two angelic beings called seraphims that sat on top of it that looked and faced toward one another. Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the priest would go into the beyond the veil where the Ark of the Covenant would have resided and he would offer a sacrifice for the sins of all Israel. The beautiful thing is this. The Lord said, upon that blood-stained lid, upon the Ark of the Covenant, that will one day represent my son Jesus, in Exodus 25, the Lord said, that's where I will meet with you. And the reason I bring that to light today is because of the name of that lid. It's called the mercy seat. The mercy seat. When you sit down, what are you doing? You're resting. Lord said, I'm going to meet you there on the mercy seat, the seat. I will rest upon mercy. And when I see you, I will see you through the blood of my son, Jesus. As I looked at that, I was doing some research to find out that during Babylonian captivity, the ark of the covenant believed to be lost. Some believe that Jeremiah took it up into the mountains and hid it in the cave. But when Jesus Christ died 2,000 years ago, something miraculous happened. The veil that separated humanity from that ark, the veil that kept the, all of the population separated from the presence of God. The Bible says when Jesus said it is finished, the veil was torn from top to bottom. 
I envision the Father himself just grabbing hold of it and just ripping that veil in two. And I said, but oh Lord, the temple was empty. The holies of holies was empty because the ark had been lost. And the Lord corrected me and said, oh no, son. The holies of holies was not empty. The holies of holies was now full because that chest was only a representation of Jesus. But what he wants you to know today is that God is a God of mercy. Here's a woman caught in the very act of adultery. I venture to guess it was probably a setup. Where was the man? Oh, yes, there was injustice. Both of them committed the act, but she was the one drug out. There's always injustice in this world, but I assure you there is never injustice in heaven. She was drug out. I'm sure she was half-dressed, if not exposed, caught in the act, drug out and thrown before Jesus. Jesus knelt down. He said, what are you going to do about it? He knelt down, began to ride on the ground. I'm going to ask the Lord one day when I see him face to face, one of my questions is I want to know what he wrote. He stood up. The only one who had the right to judge because he was the sinless one. He said, okay, whichever one of you is without sin, who's never failed, who's never faltered, who's never had a bad thought, who's never, who's, who's never violated one moral, civil, ceremonial law, you go ahead and you throw the first stone. Then the oldest. How many know the older you get, the more you figure out you don't have it all together? How many know the older you get, the more potential you have for mistakes? How many know the older you get, the more you need grace? How many know the older you get, the more you know that your descendants need grace? The world around you needs the love of God. The oldest, and then they followed suit. Jesus knelt back down as they're leaving. I'm going to ask him if I'm right when I get there. I believe what he was writing in the, in the dirt was mercy. Mercy. Could have been drawn the cross, I don't know. When you preach it, you can preach it like however you want. What is mercy? Mercy is when a pardon is given when judgment is deserved. When you have been given a pardon from the punishment when you rightfully deserve judgment, 
And maybe you're sitting there and said, well, I, morally, I'm a good person. I, 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 ceremonially, I'm a good person. I, I have all the attributes of the Christian styling, and I do all of these things. But let me say to you, until you get to the place where you understand that your righteousness is just like filthy rags before a holy God, you have not come into the full awareness of how good our God is. His good news is not truly good news until I understand how bad my bad news is. Mercy. I believe Jesus said, just as we read, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Because I'm the God of mercy. He didn't say go back to the bed. He said, now you receive mercy, go sin no more. See, mercy doesn't leave you in the bed. Mercy gets you out of the bed. Clothes you, puts you in your right mind. But the point I want to make today is this. God is a God of mercy. I'm going to ask somebody in this house today, what would your life look like if you accepted the mercy of God? What would your life look like? James tells us in James 2 and 13. In fact, let me read it so I don't misquote it. James 2 and 13, and I am closing. For the judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. I have found that merciless people are ones who have never received mercy. It's like people filled with hate are ones who have not accepted love. Oh, we could stand upon our own righteousness. See, look how wayward those sinners are. We could get to the place where we understand our sins, no matter how minute we think they are, was enough to nail Jesus Christ to the cross 2,000 years ago. And that there is no source on earth, no substance, no nothing on earth that could pay the sin debt that I had against me. Thus I have to fall upon the mercy of God because only heaven could pay the debt that I owe and that you owe. Some of you have been running from God because you don't believe God cares about you. When you stand in the presence of Jesus, He will ask you the same question. Where are those accusers of yours? Receive the mercy and go sin no more. What would your life look like if you walked in the mercy of God? Would you be more merciful? Would you be more appreciative? Would you be less judgmental? 
would your life look like if you truly understood that God is a merciful God and he hasn't given any one of us what we deserve otherwise we wouldn't be here this would be an empty house what I say to you today is this God's hand of mercy is reaching towards you will you receive him will you receive his mercy he's offering you a pardon right now if you'll accept him as your Lord